0: When we ended last episode, 15 Penn State student journalists had their trip to Vietnam alongside the stories they had worked on for months, taken away two days before they were set to board their flight. And in the coming days, things just got worse and worse. The virus started to reach our shores in cities like Seattle and New York City. And with a week off and the world looking more and more uncertain, Brandon DeWolf decided to go home. And my family hadn't
1: seen me for my birthday for three years. I said, you know what, I just want to go home to Los Angeles and be able to hang out with my family and hang out with my dog and have a late birthday celebration for the first time in three years with my family.
0: And while he was there, the impact of the virus just increased, causing Penn State to cancel in-person classes until April. The bad news wouldn't stop there, though. When DeWolf was out for a birthday dinner with his family, he got a message.
1: We got word that the the alumni organization that owned the fraternity house that I live in or lived in Mm -hmm. were kicking us out and that we would only have two hours the next day and two hours the day after that to get anything you may need for the time being with no knowledge whatsoever of when they may open the house again.
0: This was news he couldn't just brush aside.
1: And as a graduating senior and from Los Angeles, all of my belongings, like literally almost every single thing I own was in that room. So DeWolf dropped everything and immediately booked a flight leaving the next day. I boarded my plane at LAX at 5 in the morning the next morning, flew to D.C. for a layover, hopped on a small plane, landed in State College, drove to the house.
0: When he got there, the lunacy continued.
1: For those two hours, they literally had a security guard with a gun sign us in and out of our own house. And so then I, I literally just made a million trips and packed up my Toyota RAV4 with literally everything I own. And that was that. That was the, the end of my college experience. And so then I was effectively homeless on the East Coast.
0: After crashing on a few friends' couches, DeWolf eventually found an Airbnb outside State College where he's finishing out his college career, quarantining in solitude.
1: I'm basically just here in, in limbo, waiting until the nation is open back up again. And Things are calmed down so I can safely go home.
0: While the rest of the COM402 class might not have had such a turbulent experience trying to find a place to stay, they all have had to adjust from working from their homes or apartments. For some, like Callaway Turner, it hasn't been too difficult.
2: It's like really similar to what I imagine a homeschooler in high school's routine would look like. I get up every day. I do school from these hours. I, you know, will go for a walk at this time and eat breakfast and lunch at this time. Having that routine has really helped me kind of stay on top
3: of it.
0: But for others like Lindsay Tumor, the adjustment hasn't been as easy.
3: It's just hard because I like just get into like a mood where I just don't want to do anything when I can't really go anywhere. Just going out for a walk isn't enough.
0: There were a lot of setbacks. There was the months of planning for a story that was eventually taken away. And also the fact that we were all working from home when we should have been enjoying our last days of our college careers. Regardless, we still had to get right back up and start all over again. For Josie Chen, this meant the opportunity to do a story about something that hit close to home.
4: The xenophobia on Asian people because that has been going on.
0: As the coronavirus spread from China throughout the world, Chen saw acts of racism being displayed against the Asian population. Even though the issue is so profound, she knew from the start the story would be a difficult one to do.
4: If there's one thing about Asian people is that we're very we're very tolerant about this stuff.
0: According to Chen, the Asian community often takes a passive role when it comes to dealing with racism.
4: But a lot of the older generation Asian people when they receive racism, they shut up and then they they keep on going about their lives. And I really wish like people would speak up more about it instead of just letting it pass, because it's not fair. People people need to know.
0: Chen looked for people to interview but she found that to be difficult.
4: I, think, I just don't think that they will talk about it because it's just, I don't know, it's just it's like a gut feeling. Like I know um, whoever that got attacked, um, they would try to hide it.
0: She even had family members who were victims of racist abuse due to the coronavirus pandemic, but not even they would talk to her.
4: My aunt actually has went through um, some minor racism attacks, some racism slurs, I think. But she wouldn't even talk about it, you know? I call her, FaceTime, I ask her about it. I even told her that I'm doing this project, if I can interview her. She sort of just like shrugged and moved on. So, you know, very Asian thing, I feel like.
0: Motivated by his unique experience through the pandemic, DeWolf was planning to do a story about his life through this difficult time.
1: As soon as we found out at that dinner that I was going to be flying out and then immediately, immediately driving back home solo across the country in the middle of the pandemic, I thought, this is gonna be an awesome story.
0: When he packed for his flight back to Penn State, he had his drive back home in mind.
1: I even grabbed a GoPro, a, a really cool GoPro, grabbed all my stuff, Um, ready to basically just document the entire solo trip home through coronavirus.
0: As he got to State College, things started to drastically change, and his plan devolved. Right as I got here, basically the entire nation shut down. With the nation closed and a stay-at-home order in place across America, DeWolf had to stay in Pennsylvania meaning for the second time this semester, he was unable to do the story he wanted. And with everything that's happened, he's just trying not to think too much about the situation he's in.
1: You have no idea what's gonna happen three days from now, let alone a week or two weeks. So I guess all I've been doing is taking it day by day so I don't go crazy wondering when I'm gonna get to go
0: home. While Brandon was struggling to get back to his home, Callaway was working on a story about her home.
2: The story that I've chosen to work on now is about coronavirus' impact on the arts in my community.
0: For Turner, the arts was always something that was synonymous with her hometown.
2: I'm from Roanoke, Virginia, and we have a pretty strong arts scene down here. We have, like I said, ballet, theater, orchestra, um, we have a really cool historic movie theater.
0: With the coronavirus pandemic looming and social distancing measures beginning to take place, she knew her story would be an impactful one.
2: Also with canceling shows, you know, they theaters and performing arts are inherently places of mass public gathering, which has, doesn't bode well with being inside all the time and social distancing. So a lot of the places in this community have really shut down.
0: Turner was able to speak with some of the most important members of the Roanoke arts community, whose future is very uncertain.
2: For the most part, the people that I've talked to are really nose to the grindstone, doing what they need to do to keep their businesses afloat. Um, And it's just, it's almost in the tone of like, We're just going to keep moving so we don't have to stop and think about what could really go wrong here.
0: And in that time, they've had to make some rather difficult decisions.
2: A lot of the people that I've talked to have had to furlough 10s and 20 employees um, in order to to have some financial security.
0: Having gone from doing a story about Vietnam to doing a story about her hometown, Turner was able to look at the positives.
2: You know, I grew up here, so people, I think when you go to interview them and you've met them before, trust you a lot more with, with the information that they're giving you. Um, and they know you're gonna paint a picture that's accurate and fair.
0: While some opted to do a story about their hometown, others decided to keep their story international like Lindsay Toomer, who had some pretty good help in doing so by way of NPR's French correspondent Eleanor Beardsley.
3: Last spring I was abroad in Paris and my program, they brought her in to speak to the class just about what she does, and I was like, oh my god, she is coming to my school, I have to go meet her and introduce myself.
0: Toomer did more than just speak with her. She formed a connection with the esteemed journalist.
3: Like we just got along really well and she was really nice and eager to talk to me because I was like an eager journalist looking to learn from someone like her.
0: And because of this, Tumor was able to have some pretty incredible experiences with Beardsley in Paris.
3: The Gilets Jean protests that were happening, mm. last year I went out with her and like watched her cover it and it was really cool to get to do that.
0: So when our class went remote and we were able to do a story about the pandemic in any country we wanted to, Tumor knew exactly who to call.
3: So I just reached out and told her what we're doing for our class and she was happy to help me Um, and I talked to her for about an hour.
0: And that hour became pretty eventful.
3: She was walking out. um, The restrictions that are set in Paris right now, you're allowed to leave your house for an hour to like take a walk each day. Um, and you can only go a kilometer within your home. She was walking along one of the like platforms along the river and there was a boat that drove by and it was like the police and they were like yelling at her. They were like, go home, get off the platform. And she took a video of that and sent it to me.
0: Beyond learning how France has dealt with the pandemic, Toomer was able to do a story about how a leading journalist deals with the universal issue like the coronavirus.
3: It's hard to find an angle because this is happening everywhere the big one that she found is that like bakeries are an essential business in France and that's not something that like we would think about here like they need their bread, their fresh bread every day.
0: Additionally, Toomer, who is an editor at Penn State's newspaper The Daily Collegian, has been able to implement Beardsley's advice into her own work.
3: There have been a lot of cool angles we've tried to look at regarding the coronavirus. There's so many stories and it really is Rewarding experience to try to make the best of it and make sure people know everything that's going on.
0: And at the end of the day, making the best of what's going on is integral to being a journalist.
4: Making us b- devoted to the stories really helped us grow as journalists. To like, you have to understand our industry follows the follows the world, so whenever the world turns, you gotta you gotta drop whatever you have and turn to the story. That's currently coronavirus right now. It's like a lesson.
0: The day we found out our trip to Vietnam was cancelled was the exact day we started planning for our new stories. When spring break was over and we found out that we had to move to remote learning, we adjusted again. We worked through Zoom interviews, powered through poor internet connection, spotty audio quality, in a world that changed dramatically every day. But that's what being a journalist is about. When the world came crumbling down, we kept a level head and adjusted. To see any of the stories I talked about on this episode of Lions on Lockdown, alongside many other incredible stories from the COM 402 class, go to thelionsroar at psu.org forward slash psu international.